0: Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you're listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Broadbridge, Louisiana, We hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. I just want to minister to your spirit. I want to minister to your faith. I want to encourage you this morning. And I want to encourage you with this idea that God sees you. God sees you. I want to talk to you this morning about the God who sees. Genesis 16 verse 1 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abraham, Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power to do as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her sight. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude and the angel of the Lord said to her behold you are pregnant and shall bear a son you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction Ishmael in the Hebrew means God hears Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction verse 12 He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Listen to this. You are a God of seeing. This is the only name that she had for God. She had dwelt there in the house of Abram and Sarah who had been called out to follow the Lord and know the Lord, but she didn't know who He was. She didn't know His name. She didn't know His heart. She didn't know anything about Him. All she knew was that this God called out to her. And the way that He introduced Himself to her was this. I'm the God that sees you. I see you. I know what you're going through. And it says, she called to Him. She said to Him, You are the God of seeing she said truly here i have seen him who looks after me verse 14 therefore the well was called beer lahai roi it lies between kadesh and mered and hagar bore abram a son and abram called the name of his son whom hagar bore ishmael abram was 86 years old When Agar bore Ishmael to Abram. Let's look at that verse 12 one more time, or excuse me, verse 13 one more time. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks on me or looks after me. I want to speak to you this morning about the God who sees. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us. And Lord, many times we feel that we are alone in darkness and by ourselves. We feel that we are unknown, that our burdens are unknown, that our thoughts are unknown, that our temptations are unknown, and our loneliness consumes us. But Lord, here you called out to this woman, and you said, I see you. I know you, my eyes are on you and you comforted her and you introduced yourself to her as the one who sees. God Almighty, speak to our hearts. Let us know that we are known and loved and heard and seen and have your way among us this morning. Minister to your people in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. This passage begins with this statement in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no child. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. If you know the story of Abram and Sarai, you know that they were in Ur of the Chaldees. Deuteronomy tells us that Abram's parents and family were idol makers And then God said to him, come out from your family, leave this worldly influence, they're just like everybody else, come out from them, be separate, come and know me, I'll reveal myself to you, I'll teach you who I am and I'll bless you. God promises to bless him, God promises to give him the land of Canaan, and God promises that through his seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. And this man begins to learn faith and to trust God. And the Word of the Lord says that he believed God and God counted his faith to him as righteousness. And so this is a man of faith. This is a man of obedience. This is a man who's learning to honor the Lord. There's a lot of things in his life that are still very messy. That are still very dirty. That still do not represent the heart and the character of God. Amen. Still a lot of things that are a poor example. A lot of things that you can point at and go, You're you're the man of God, you're the one God called, you're the one that God's gonna use you. And if you know the story of Abram, I mean him and Isaac and Jacob, right? His his son and his grandson their family. I say it this way because it's it's just relatable. I don't know how many of you watched this when you were children or younger, but his life looks like a Jerry Springer episode that hasn't aired yet, right? Just family drama and arguing, and this is out for everyone to see, right? You know those TV shows that I'm talking about? Who agrees to go on a television program and air out all of their dirty laundry and just the most awful family, chaotic, disorder, dysfunction, and they're going to argue, right, you you know, I can't believe you cheated on me with my sister. Right, just this terrible stuff that you go, what in the world, how can these things happen to one family? And as much as we would look at that and go, that's disgusting and awful and terrible, if you read Genesis, there's some stuff in here that makes that look mild. <laughs> okay. That's right. How many? Amen. Do you worship the lion of the tribe of Judah? Is, is, is that Jesus? Is he the lion of the tribe of Judah? Amen. Praise God. Judah was a son, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Son of Jacob. One of the 12 sons of Jacob. Right? What did Judah do when he gave his son to marry a woman? And then that son died? And then he gave another son to that woman, and that son died. And then he said, this lady's bad luck. Things don't go well. Not only does she not get pregnant and have a child, but they keep dying. I'm not going to keep giving her sons to kill, right? Like this, I mean, maybe this is a secret thing where she's murdering them, putting something in their soup at night. Who knows? And so he says, I'm not going to give any more children to this woman. What does she do? She says, I have a claim. This is the culture of our day. The just thing for you to do is make sure that I'm not destitute. Allow me to marry one of your sons and have a child so that I'm not destitute and lonely. And he says, I'm not going to do the right thing and do that. So what does she do? She goes into a town, puts a garment over herself where he can't see her face, and she pretends to be a prostitute. And then she seduces him into a room right so that she can take off her garment and he says i don't have any money to pay you she says you can take your token this family signet that's very valuable it's basically their credit card by which they could operate business and she said you can give that to me and i'll hold on to it until you can bring me a lamb you can come and pay me uh for my services and she takes it he sleeps with her gets her pregnant leaves to go back and get a lamb, and when he comes back with the lamb, she's vanished. And then when the men of the area begin to notice this woman who is his daughter-in-law, and they find out she's pregnant. And he says, she's pregnant, she's been sleeping around, then we're going ju- to kill her. Because she's dishonored herself, she's being this promiscuous woman, dishonor on our family, we're going to kill her. right? Get her, bring her back, take her, we're going to stone her to death. And then right before she stones she 's stoned to death, she holds out the signet and says, "This is your baby right <laughs> Tell me that 's not better than what 's on TV, right or worse, no, definitely worse i 'm sorry, definitely worse. These people are a mess. These people are a mess, and he says, "You were more just than I am." Here I am, the head of the house, the patriarch. The the seed of Abraham and Isaac and the promises of God are going to come through me and the hand of God is on my life. God has done many wonderful things in my life. And here I am saying, you're more just than I am. I'm a wicked man. That Judah, his children were known as the tribe of Judah. Which David was a part of and then David's descendant, Jesus. Jesus is the lion, of the, because God's prophecy was for Judah that you will be like a lion, you'll conquer all your enemies. Well, that never really showed up in Judah's life because he was a compromised, fickle man. And out of that lineage of weakness came the lion Jesus that rules and reigns, right? So the, the point is to say this, Those who were called to be God's people often were the worst example of what it means to be the people of God. And here's this woman, an Egyptian, no covenant, no promise, no knowledge of who God is, and she is thrown into the midst of family chaos and disorder of a husband and wife who are not trusting God, and they are a bad example of who the Lord is. And here she is, caught in the middle, This woman who is her owner, her master, owns her and says, I'm going to give you to my husband so that you can get pregnant, bear a child, and that child will be my child. She didn't ask Hagar, Hagar, would you like to sleep with my 86-year-old husband and then bear a child and then give me that child? Right? Some of you, don't laugh. That's not holy before the Lord. Don't." (laughs) Don't mess me up. And she didn't ask. She just says, this is what you're going to do. It's the cultural trend of the day. This is how we do things. She gets pregnant. And then all of a sudden, she starts feeling herself a little bit. Maybe my station in life will pick up. And all of a sudden, she begins to look at Sarai with contempt and resentment. You couldn't bear him a son, but I did. I'm going to bear a child. Now, I'm going to be more favored than you. I'm going to be more important than you. Don't tell me this doesn't sound like some of that TV that happens at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. when I don't know who's watching it, but somebody's there watching it 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. This mess. And th- this is terrible stuff. But notice that this language is used of seeing, of seeing. Look at it with me in this passage. In verse 4, it says, And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt upon her mistress. And then it says at the end of verse 5, And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. And so there is this idea of Hagar and Sarah's perspective on things and and Hagar is seeing the circumstances of her life going I'm hoping this will work out for me. Maybe this will help things go better. I'm a slave. Nobody cares what I think. Nobody cares what I feel. Nobody cares what I'm going through. Nobody's listening to me. And all of a sudden there's this thing that's happened in my life and I'm thinking, maybe things can get better and maybe things can improve. And this is her perspective on things. But surely Hagar's the only one looking out for Hagar. Nobody else cares about Hagar. Nobody cares what she feels. Nobody cares what she thinks. Nobody cares what she's going through nobody cares that probably from a young child she was raised in poverty and told one day when you're somewhat useful we're going to sell you off so that someone can make you their slave and we're going to trade you for a few dollars she feels unseen unheard uncared for and maybe for the first time in her life she's got some different perspective on her life where she's thinking maybe things will start to get better for me with carnal ambition and things don't get better they get worse because she begins to treat her mistress with contempt and then her mistress becomes angry at her and begins to emotionally and verbally abuse her and make things hard on her and shows she does the only thing that powerless people can do she runs she escapes No skills, no trade, nothing to take care of herself. A runaway slave. And as she gets to this place, what does it say? Verse 7, Then the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. (laughs) This is not an easy thing to hear, but God knew the things that He was doing to prepare her and probably knew that she would die alone in the wilderness with no one to take care of her. And so for a season, this is what you need to do. And she begins to prophesy to her, or He begins to prophesy to her and says in verse 11, He says, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant. And you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael or God hears because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And he shall be a wild donkey of a man his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. He's going to be a rebel. He's going to be hard hearted. He's going to be self-willed. He's going to be contentious. He's just going to kick against everybody and everything. He's going to be a hard man but I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him because even though this was a sin, even though it was a mistake, even though Abram messed up, I'm going to have mercy on you because you he is the descendant of Abraham. But in this small mercy for him to say, I see you. I know what you're going through. And even though this was done by God's people in a sinful way, I'm still going to have mercy and I'm going to use it for your good and for my glory. And listen what he says in verse 13. So she called the name of Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. This is how God introduced Himself to her, because Abraham and Sarah weren't doing a great job of introducing her to their God. They weren't sitting down and doing Bible studies with Hagar. And weren't sitting down going, this is who God is, and this is His covenant, and this is His promise, and He's not just going to bless Abram and and me. He's going to bless the whole house. We're not worried about you. We're worried about the blessing of God on us, and you're just a servant, and we're not treating you well, and we're not reflecting the Lord well in your life. But God chooses to say, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to introduce myself to you, Even though you've had a poor example of who I am, I'm going to give you a right example of who I am. And the way that I want to introduce myself to you is this. You're the one that feels like you've been unseen your whole life. I want to let you know that I see you. I see your battles. I see your thoughts. I see your pains. I see your griefs. I see your temptation. I see your hurts. I see the things that nobody else I hear the things nobody else hears. I hear the murmurs of your heart when you complain, when you grieve that no one cares about you, no one loves you. Whatever that is, I just want you to know you felt unseen in a house full of people and now you've wandered into a wilderness in the middle of nowhere and you feel like now not even the people that you don't even like don't see you. Nobody sees you. You are utterly alone. He says you're not alone. I see you. I know you. She says, For she said, Truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. This is where she personalizes it. He's not just the God who sees. He's the God who sees me. He's the God who knows me. And this morning, this is what I want to tell you, because many times... Maybe we're not in the circumstances of Hagar. But many times we feel unseen. We feel unknown. We feel uncared about. We can suffer alone. We can be tempted alone. We can grieve alone. We can be discouraged alone. We can put on a church face and happy and we're good. But God sees what's really in our heart. And I want to tell you this morning that God sees you. And God knows you, and God knows what you're going through. Listen to this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to 25. It starts off in the Word of God with God seeing a slave, Haggai, from Egypt. And then in Exodus chapter 2, it picks up when God's people, Israel, are slaves and Egypt, and they feel unseen, unheard, and uncared for, and abused, and tormented. And it says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, listen to this, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. You hear those words? God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And they didn't know They didn't know. They didn't know that God heard. They didn't know that God saw because God didn't come down in a cloud and say, I just want to let you know that I've heard your groaning and your cries and your pain. He hears them. He acknowledges them. He sees them. He looks on with mercy towards their suffering. And then He goes and finds Moses in the backside of a desert and begins to prepare him to be the deliverer of Israel. Can I tell you, there may be times when you feel like God is so far away and so silent, but He hears you. He remembers His covenant of mercy. He has compassion on you. And the Word of the Lord says that He sees you and He knows This is your God. This is who God is. This is how God introduced Himself to Hagar. I am the God who sees. I know you when no one else knows you. I hear you when no one else hears you. And my heart is moved to compassion for you. And I want you to know that I care about your soul. It says in Psalm 33 verse 18 to 22 Behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. On those who hope in His steadfast love that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord be upon us even as we hope in you. He says, our hope is in the God that sees us. Our faith is in the God that sees us. Our cry goes to the God who sees us because God's eye is on us. God acknowledges me. God knows me. He sees me. He feels compassion for me. This is who my God is. And I ask you this morning, do you believe that you're seen of God? Do you believe that you're heard of God? When your heart cries when nobody else can know what you're crying for. When your heart mourns. When you have things you can't say to anybody else. Do you know that God sees you? God knows you. When nobody else cares and you feel like I could disappear off the face of the earth. And nobody would even care. God says, I see right where you are i know you i love you i move for you and when you don't hear me you don't see me you don't know what i'm doing i'm working to bring your deliverance and it says in second chronicles 16 and verse 9 the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. He said, I'm looking. I'm looking everywhere going where is a heart that just wants me above everything else because my mission, my goal is to give it strength. That you feel faint and weary? Do you feel lonely and hurting? He says, I'm looking for you. I want to find you so that I can give you strength, so that I can equip your heart, so that I can strengthen you to walk with me and serve me. I want to quicken you. I want to make you alive. I want to give you fresh strength. I want to give you fresh joy. I want to renew you. I want to rescue you. But you've got to know that I'm the God that sees you. You've got to let hope spring up in your heart. You've got to let faith begin to grow in your heart. You've got to let God begin to nurture that heart to hold on until the Lord comes and bring life. God saw Hagar when she was in the house being treated harshly by Sarai, but she didn't know it. And because she didn't know it, she ran. And how often do we run? run from God, we run from church, we run from fellowship, we run from the things of the Lord, we run from serving, we run from prayer, because we just feel alone and we feel like we've got nothing left to keep us where we are, to keep us stable, to keep us strong. God says, go back. I'll be with you in the hardness. I'll be with you in the harshness. I'll be with you in the chaos. I know you don't see it, but I'm working with you in the trial. I can help you. I can be there with you. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? That's what he says in that Psalm 33. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. On those hope in a steadfast love they hope their heart has hope in the love of the Lord that he may deliver their soul and keep them alive in famine he said our soul waits for the Lord he is our help and our shield our heart is glad in him this is people who are in the middle of feeling unloved, uncared for, discouraged weary, tempted and enemies are overwhelming them and they say in this in between time between the pain that I'm suffering and when God does something, the margins are everything. The margins are everything. Oh, here's where my suffering is. Here's where God's coming through. But in the margins. This is where we wait in faith. This is where we rejoice. This is where we have hope. This is where we say, God, you've got to see me. And you've got to give me courage to keep trusting that you're on the way. That you're going to do something on my behalf. Praise God. Ben, could you come back? This morning I encourage you to seek the Lord. To let the Lord minister to your heart. To let the Lord whisper to your heart. Where are you? Where you come from? Where are you going? What's going on in your heart? Are you running? Are you afraid? Is your heart beginning to wither and wilt? I want to let you know that I see you. I want to let you know that I know what's going on. I want you to know that I'm there. And I've not forgotten you. And I've got a purpose for you. But nobody else sees you. When you feel unloved and alone, I want you to know that I love you. And I want to let you know that I won't let you be alone this morning when you have faith in the God who sees. Lord Almighty, we ask you to come. You know that our hearts are tempted to feel alone, to feel like we're the only ones going through what we're going through and nobody could understand us. You feel like it's happening to just us and the whole world is just continuing and being busy. And the machine of the world is running all around us when our whole world has come to a halt. And Lord, you don't allow us to suffer alone, you don't allow weary people to suffer alone. Your heart is drawn to them. Mercy is drawn to suffering. Mercy is drawn to weakness. Mercy is drawn to the afflicted, to the broken, to the discouraged, to the weary. Mercy is drawn to those who are overwhelmed. Mercy is drawn to those who feel forsaken and forgotten, who feel unseen. And God, you call us. You call us to run to you. You call us to open our ears and hear you say, where are you? Where are you coming from and where are you going? There's no future for you out there in the wilderness. There's no future for you out there alone. But I can be with you in the chaos. I can be with you in the sorrow. I can be with you in the grief. God Almighty, teach us that we are seen, we are known, we are loved. You won't abandon us. Help us to find comfort in You, God. Help us to be strengthened in You, Lord. Help us to know that Your eyes are running throughout the whole earth, searching, looking, yearning for the heart that You can strengthen. God Almighty, teach us to present our hearts to You and to know the God who sees. Have Your way among us this morning. Seek the Lord, saints. Let Him minister to you.